Anything Combat with Johnny K. But it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by a friend of the show. He's been back on. This is his second time on. He fought lightweight, fought welterweight, now he's telling me he's fought light heavyweight. He fought PXC, fought Affliction, fought the Ultimate Fighter. Please welcome Superman, JJ Ambrose. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's always good to be in Australia. So being, in, being live this time, it's going to be a lot better, I think. Tell me about light heavyweight. Who told you to do that and why would you do that? Yeah, you know, like in the beginning, it was just about the challenge. So when I was 18, 19 years old, I, I really didn't understand the whole weight class thing. I mean, my exposure to MMA was, you know, through um, the first UFCs, you know, we'd rent the VHS from Blockbuster, um, RIP Blockbuster. Um <laughs> But, yeah, we'd rent the tapes and we'd watch these things. And, you know, Hoist Gracie was, you know, like a buck seventy and fighting the heavyweights, you know. And so it didn't really occur to me that I should fight in – I should fight guys my size. So um, I jumped on a, a card. Um, I had about five fights at the time, and I fought uh, – he looked like a bodybuilder. He, he was a pretty big dude, but uh, he had a wrestling background, so – when I shot a double leg on him, I remember when he sprawled on top of me, I was like, holy hell, that is a lot of man. After Dustin and Justin, can we please agree that I'm a superior MMA analyst than yeah. a fighter? So honestly, I'm just a filthy casual at this point. <laughs> Someone was asking me if I, I'm really into watching like the high-level grappling during fights, and the answer is no. I'd much rather watch two guys off the street fight. Um that's where I'm at with fighting. Now, as as far as having a healthy respect for the technical side of the game, absolutely. I mean, I am a student of war first and foremost, but as far as entertainment goes, um, I, I'd rather watch just two blokes off the street. I love that. Yeah. Um, you said you're a student of war. Did you read, like, the Book of Five Rings or The Art of War, or have you looked at, like, ancient conquerors like Genghis Khan? Yeah, Alexander the Great. Have you read up on those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, th there's a lot, you know, like the the Marius reforms in in Rome. You know, like where he came in and changed the whole legion, essentially from the old way to the new way. You know, like it was based on your wealth status in the beginning. Like the triarii were the veterans who could afford the specific equipment, and when this Marius guy came in, he uh, he really changed the whole thing. He, the logistics behind everything, like soldiers no longer had to buy their own equipment. They no longer had to uh, maintain their own equipment. They had people doing that for them, and that's what made the Roman Empire so strong. But, yeah, I'm absolutely, uh, you know, Vegetus. All these great conquerors, you know, they had something to them that carries over into everyday life as well as martial arts. That is crazy. What's it like finally being in Australia? How many times have you been here? Uh, about 15 now. Um, I've been over so many times for Hex, uh, for cornering. The first time I came here was, I think... Before we were rudely interrupted, you were talking about the fact that you cornered. And did you corner Hex? Or? Yeah, I, I've cornered guys um, on Hex. You know, honestly, I think Hex is the only one that I've actually interacted with. Um so I originally got brought out here by Trent James for a seminar, but then um, I jumped on his fight show, uh, both to fight and to corner other fighters. Yeah. I haven't really dabbled with uh, the other organizations. 
mostly out of loyalty, but um, yeah, you know, no, no other organization um, has really came close as far as Hex has been. Um, they've always taken really good care of me, so I've never looked outside, if that makes sense. I believe they're like neck and neck with something called Eternal. I yep. don't know where that is. I think that's like Sydney or something. Yeah. Um, have they ever asked you to do anything there or fought, fight there or anything like that? No, I've never had any interaction with them. I'm actually going to uh, Demolition tonight to watch uh, Dylan and Seamus from uh, Absolute. I think they're both fighting. For, I know Dylan's fighting for an amateur title and uh, Seamus is just making, like, I think, his third or fourth amateur fight. But both those guys are more than ready to go pro by my standards. Since you've been here, how many times have you trained with the guys at Absolute and was Jenkins there by any chance? Yeah, so I've trained at Absolute every day that I've been here from Monday on to Friday even. Um, you know, their sessions are so well organized. I think Simon is a very brilliant and underrated mind in MMA. Um, you want to talk about being organized. His spreadsheets that he has on the scouting of opponents beforehand to the camp, the strength and conditioning, everything is mapped out so well that I'm shocked. There's no uh, stones unturned when it comes to the fight camp with him. Corey Sandhagen just had his fight with Rob Font. Yep. Dude, in that fight, Corey was just giving up his back like the whole time and his only weakness against Aljamain Sterling was that. So in a rematch, people were saying maybe it would be different. I just think that because Aljamain's so much better now and Corey's improved so drastically, but that one part of his game is still a weakness, I just don't see a reality where he can beat uh, the champion. Correct. I mean, some people just have your number. I mean, you can imagine Aljamain Sterling, his, uh, his back game, like his control, his recovery is so well-rounded. Um, but well-rounded is the wrong word. He's just good everywhere, but particularly on the back. And that being said, when your your absolute dominant strength is so much better than the other guy's weakness, it, it usually you know plays a massive part into the fight. I want to ask you about a uh, welterweight. So, have you watched Kevin Holland's recent fights? His performances have been absolutely amazing. He's been finishing people. He's only thirty years of age, and I read a stat or something. It was like he had fought. Um, 25 something times in the UFC since he's been here and he's only been in the UFC for just like a little bit. So what do you think about that fighter? And do you think that he's got championship uh, like like level fights in him in the future? Or do you think that he's um, what he does, like he's, he's too reckless? Do you think that he's like that, the perennial gatekeeper, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you think he'll be in that position or do you think he'll fight for a belt? I, I don't see him fighting for a belt, maybe bad motherfucker belt, but... Um, I think that he is a very good fighter, but breaking into that top five is, you know, that's a whole nother game. I mean, when you, the difference between the top five and anything above that is so drastic. I mean, those guys are really dialed in and I, I don't see it, but I mean, he's making really big waves at welterweight now. It, that's something to be said about fighting at your natural weight class instead of trying to cut to like, say, lightweight That'd be um, maybe that just took it to took its toll on him both mentally and physically. And but at welterweight, he's found his stride. Alex Pereira looked amazing in his fight with Jan Blahovic. Mm -hmm. So, do you think that he knocks out Yuri and Jamal Hill? And do you think he'll have that little stint at light heavyweight before someone like Magomed gets him? 
Yeah, I'm not really sure. I really liked him at um, middleweight personally, but I mean, him and Izzy have fought so many times. I think they're probably both tired of each other, to be honest. So I'm, and then obviously he's a massive, massive middleweight. So I'm sure he feels significantly better and able to live a little bit. I guess just normal, like I mean, because outside of fight camp, like I'm sure he balloons up, and he like the thought of having to cut that much weight. I mean, because he looks absolutely dead by the time he drops on the scale. So I mean, I think he's gonna do really well at light heavyweight. the The thing is with those strikers at that at that level, you can kind of get away with it, like being the smaller of the bunch. I think you, like you have an X factor in that left hook that he has, right? Definitely. Um, I'm going to move on because to be honest, this interview is about you. I want to ask you, wh- why do you, why do you love CrossFit so much? Who made you fall in love with CrossFit and, uh, how much CrossFit do you do? Because is that like inhibiting your MMA training or do you think it makes it even better? So the thing with CrossFit for me is that every time, like, let just to give you an example, you do a technical session, um, and then you follow that with some kind of strength and then you follow that with. Uh, it's called a Metcon. And for me, a Metcon simulates kind of like the fight, to be honest with you. In MMA training, we do some technique, we drill, we do um, maybe some live rounds. And then when we're in fight camp, we'll spar a bit harder just to, I guess, up the ante a little bit. As we get closer to uh, the fight, we try to simulate what it feels like to actually go in there. But Every day I do a Metcon that it just, it ruins your lungs, your body. It really just messes you up. And I don't mean like in a bad way. I just mean like you're fucked afterwards. <laughs> but uh, it's the same thing. Like you still have that fight or flight mentality like um, of if I do one more rep, um, I'm going to be ahead of the next guy. Because whenever I do these Metcons, it's not like I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm looking at the people that I'm working out next to. I'm trying to beat them um, and it, without touching them, essentially. I mean, it, the battle is with yourself, but at the same time, you're just you're trying to beat everybody in the room. So it's very similar to MMA in that regard, I think, mentally. Not so much physically. It, it is taxing. Um but the mental aspect, I think I can get into a fight every single day and simulate the same kind of trauma that you would feel in the cage without actually taking any damage. My next question for you is, are aliens real? Um, I would think that there has to be some other kinds of life in the universe but I, we might be the furthest ahead. I know this is maybe not the most uh, appealing. Appealing. People would love to think that there's aliens out there that are flying spaceships, um, maybe hovering over us. And obviously the technology is so appealing to people. Like, like, how did cell phones come out so fast? How do they keep getting better? Our computers are just so far ahead now in such a short frame of space. Um Whereas, like, you think about, like, the Stone Age where, like, they invented the wheel and then nothing changed for a thousand years. and But I, I think that, like, the more knowledge that we gain, like, the quicker it's going to be. And think about the amount of people. I mean, what is there, like, seven billion people on Earth? That's a lot of collective minds. 
the internet gathering everybody together essentially under one roof. I mean, because we're all on the internet for the most part. So we're all connected in some way. So everybody just kind of builds off of the next person quickly. Like if I have a thought and I put it out into the, the internet, somebody takes that and they make it better. And so it's kind of the same thing for me with like the microchips and the computer and the data processing that we have out there. So maybe there's aliens out there, but they're not maybe my thought is just they're not as advanced as we are yet. Let's talk your next opponent, Sado. Uh, what do you think he does well? Have you even looked into it or did you get the contract and go, yeah, yeah, I, I, I go immediately? <laughs> Honestly, so I got the contract. Uh, they sent me a fight poster like just to just to tease me a little bit because I, I had announced my retirement. Um, but truthfully, I just my soul needed a break. I felt like everyone was just piling on top of me trying to be a coach, a gym owner or a husband, a father. There's just so many hats that I hats and roles that I have to wear every day. So I just kind of needed a break and uh, I got to spend time with my kids and it was good. But, you know, a month later, so the brawl, it's a local organization on Guam. They sent me a fight poster just just to entice me, just showing like, hey, this is just something we wanted to run by you, man. And it looked really good. So I immediately looked up the guy that they proposed. I watched videos and it seems like he's a bit of a brawler. He likes to spam the left hook right hand over and over again and. It kind of got me a little excited, so that's where I'm at. Lovely. <laughs> um, what's your biggest regret in your career, like CrossFit, MMA, fitness, uh, business? What do you think? What do you think's up there with one of your biggest regrets? Oh, uh, so I, I have two. And as soon as you said CrossFit, it uh, kind of jogged my memory a bit. In 2015, I was sitting. I was at a birthday party with my wife and my daughter Juliet. And there was a guy named Jason Kalipa there. Jason Kalipa is a world-renowned CrossFitter. And he's also diving into martial arts now. He's actually a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. He competes. And we're sitting across the table from him. And, you know, like I, I, I shook his hand, said hello, didn't, didn't pay any attention after that. Because at the time in 2015, I had the same stigma that most MMA fighters do with CrossFit. And that's fucking crossfitters burpee burpee your way out of my triangle you know so just a really closed-minded view whereas i should have picked this guy's brain because now he has like i want to say like 50 50 um gyms himself like affiliates and he's really heavy into the martial arts the other thing that i regret the most is uh my stint on the ultimate fighter my daughter had just been born and uh i i was really torn between uh, being a dad and being a fighter at the time. So I don't feel like I gave my best um, when I did get the call up to that show and I would have liked to have done better for that. Be more mentally sound maybe. Do you meditate? Uh, I meditate my own way, I guess. I don't sit there and uh, ponder the universe like these people or get into a position. But every time I run, I process so much information I don't really listen to music when I run, um, but I, I like to go on like the hour, hour and a half long runs and I'll process a ton of information and maybe I'll read a little bit before I go for the run just so that I have a, uh, a train of thought to start with. And, and you'd be shocked at like the flow state that you get into. I mean, I'm lucky, I'm lucky that I haven't been hit by a car because I'm in such a deep thought. 
what you're you, what are you doing you're running on the road or something yeah always yeah i can't run on a treadmill because the treadmill i can get off at any time or i could slow down i could you know i could press the the four kilometers i could just slow down do a walk and you know with on the road it's like i'm trying to get from a to b or i'm doing a loop of some sort so there is no stopping unless i'd really like to walk out in the hot sun i don't know if you've ever been to guam or in the tropics but you don't necessarily want to be outside and walk at the same time. What incline do you do when you do treadmill? Uh, you're supposed to do like at the 1% grade because that's like normal. But lately I've been running on the uh, assault runners. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. Are things. they the ones that like move with your feet? Yeah, I exactly. I love those yeah, things. I, I think they're the best and they're much more natural. I mean, they force you to toe run, which I like a lot. So I, I tend to um, stay away from the motorized ones. How are your business ventures going? Like Steel Athletics or whatever it's called. How's that going? And yeah. uh, is it, <laughs> tell me about it. I was joking with my staff because every time a new member signs up, they post it on our staff chat. They'll post a photo. It's it's mostly to familiarize um, like new faces, so that like when they when they scan in or something, we don't like automatically have to run over and uh, check to make sure that membership is current. You know, it's just familiarizing with new faces and and hopefully getting some uh, face to name recognition so that when they walk in, you'd be like, "Hi, Tom, how are you doing today? How's family?" And they're like, "What? Who is this? How do they <laughs> how do they know my name already?" It, you know, you just make try to make them feel at home, but. Every time I leave uh, to go on a trip, it's like we get a gaggle of new members. So, like, since I've left, since last Monday, we've had 12 new member signups. When I came for the last fight camp for that three-week period, we had over 50 new signups. And I was like, why is it that when I leave, all these people come? It's like I, I'm the reason why nobody comes to the gym. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, we're really thriving at the gym. I actually just uh, opened up not – not opened up, but I bought out um, a shake shop essentially. So, like, we'll be doing like fruit and. You told me about that. Protein. Like, it's like the Jamba Juice type thing of Guam or something. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So, that. I bought one on the military base, one of the military bases. Um, it, it, so, like, if, if you're in the military, they have like their base, obviously, but they also have their own like commissary and they have their own restaurants and stuff that like the rest of us can't go on to. So I, I I purposely did that so that I had more access to to the base essentially, so I can reach more military members to get them to come over and uh, train with us. So the other thing that I'm working on is doing a wholesale with a local Australian company, MA One. It's uh, also Simon Absolute, um, his gig. But to get uh, martial arts supplies to Guam. It's been very expensive. Anytime a new member walks into the gym um, and they want to try jujitsu, um, we have to sell them like a two hundred dollar US gi, you know, and, and that's pretty expensive. For I don't know if I really want to do this, so I'm trying to bring in uh, products that have good quality because MA One brand is amazing, but it's a little bit cheaper. Like you know, like a show your old gi, normal like after after uh, market is like five hundred dollars, and uh, I mean, I remember being a starving, broke martial artist. $500 was not in my realm of control. That was like a whole-ass fight for me. So I'm just trying to supply people with affordable gear that also has good quality. How good are you at chess? Terrible, man. Um, 
I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to strategy. I love computer games. I like uh, the online stuff. But what games do you play? Um, right now, I man, I just picked up Diablo Four. That was taking oh quite a bit of my God. time. Yeah, <laughs> I used to play Hearthstone. Yeah. I was so good at Hearthstone; it was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, dude, all that shit's a waste of time. You deep down, you know it's a waste of time. It is. It doesn't move the needle. However, I talk about this with um, other fighters that you have to have something, not necessarily a hobby, where you're trying to pursue to get better. I think golf is the biggest waste of time for MMA fighters. One, because you're using actual energy instead of recovering. Whereas, like, when I sit down and play a computer game for, like, say, an hour, it's just, it's to empty your mind. Like, because a lot of times we'll get deep in thought, like, we'll have a, maybe a bad day at the gym or um, relationships or interactions with people were bad. This is like, like, you're pretty much removing your mind from everything and you're kind of on autopilot, autopilot and... You get to, like, recover a bit. It's nice to not be, like, constantly thinking about, like, say, the traumas of the day or the highs and the lows. It's just, like, this neutral flow state that I, I like to get into sometimes. What's your favorite candy bar? Ah, uh, so, man, <laughs> to, about 15 years ago, I met, like, this mental coach that um, he was like, if you could remove one thing from your life, what would it be? And I'm sure he assumed I was going to say some kind of drug but I told him Snickers because every time I go to the grocery store, I pick up a Snickers. But, um, man, ever since I he, – he essentially hypnotized me. His name's Scott Stevenson, and he, he basically hypnotized Snickers out of my diet. Are you saying, like, he actually did a hypnosis? Yeah, thing on like, you? like did what did some, he do exactly? It was really weird. It's not like he's holding the coin up like they do in, like, the cartoons or something and, like, waving it in front of my – saying you were getting sleepy it was just like he did a lot of word association and he didn't make snickers like negative but he made it to where it wasn't appealing anymore so like when i think about i i mean i probably could eat one right now but like the thought of it doesn't really entice me anymore that's what they do with uh cigarette training mm. they make people that were really really bad smokers feel uh like they're gonna vomit every single time they think about a cigarette yeah, I mean, I mean, it must work, right? I mean, because I, I, I have had Snickers since, but, like, nowhere to the level that I used to eat them. So, I would like your prediction for an upcoming fight, Adesanya versus Strickland. What do you see in that matchup? Do you think that Strickland's just going to box with his little uh, Matt Hardy, or is it is it Dan Hardy, the British fighter? Dan Hardy, is that is that his name? Yeah, Dan um, Hardy. Dan Hardy? Yeah, I remember yeah. him. He called, he called this guard by Strickland, how he marches down people with that yeah. guard. He called it the cocksucker guard, right? And he said wow. he said that Izzy, Izzy's going to kick his legs, right? And the fight's really going to be over. And Izzy most likely will score a knockout. It's an easier person to knock out than, than someone like a Jared or a Marvin. Who did Sean Strickland fight last? Who was that guy? Abus Magomedov, and oh. he was actually decent. His first round was just awful against him. But then Abus, obviously, he faded really, really fast. Worst cardio in middleweight? Yeah, I, maybe he had a bad weight cut. I, I never think that it's a cardio issue because I think that all MMA fighters are training to the same level as far as conditioning goes. I mean, we all do strength and conditioning now. I just think it's a lot of the nerves. Sometimes it's the weight cut. I mean, I've had some terrible weight cuts. 
um, where I thought it was going to be easy and it turned out to not be. Uh, the recovery aspect, you know, working with, not to plug anybody, but the combat dietitian, uh, Jack, he, uh, his recovery methods have really like changed my game where I'm like, holy cow, I feel so much better. And before you don't necessarily have enough time to recover. You get 24 hours sometimes like the UFC is cool and they do like a pre weigh in, but you know, like when I fought in Australia, we don't weigh in until 6 PM and then we're probably fighting the next night, eight, 9 PM. So I, can, I think a lot. Sorry, of I'm sorry to interrupt, but can you tell us what Jack does, or is it like top secret? Like, what does he do different? It, does he have the basics down pat really well, or is he doing something that other people are not thinking about? I wouldn't say that Jack is doing anything that is maybe out of the ordinary, but he's got the math. Like, it's really like when they say it, it's down to a science. I mean, that's very accurate. But I think it's the math. Like you know, like you weigh this much, you cut this much water. You need to put this much in, uh, in within the hour. Not this much because if you do that, you're going to overload your body. You're going to have too much salt, and it's going to have detrimental effects. And so, I mean, there's lots of hormones uh, taking place throughout your body that, you know, like a, most MMA fighters shouldn't try to go down the rabbit hole. I don't think that we need to necessarily be um, experts in this particular field. Otherwise, uh, like we're overloading our brains. I mean, I think the more that we could focus on the fight and the training and let our coaches handle the other side, you know, like the, the scouting, the, the what needs to happen during fight camp, let the strength and conditioning coaches handle the strength and conditioning and let the fight dietitian handle the fight dietitian stuff. What do you do to improve your discipline? With? Anything like like the fact that you have work right that you actually show up every single day instead of taking uh, days off and stuff. Yeah, so I think that's more of a mindset thing. It's very very practice because I remember early on, um, just trying to get through sessions. Like you think about going on like a ten kilometer run, you're just trying to get through the ten k run. But the the right mindset is I'm trying to get from the ten k run. I want to improve my cardio. I want to do it. Um, in an efficient manner so that when I train later on in the evening, I'm not completely fucked and I'm able to give my all for both sessions. Um, I, I think that's more of like the mindset thing. And I constantly think about having rabbits to chase a rabbit, like in CrossFit or in martial arts is like, you're just looking like there's somebody ahead of you and you're constantly chasing them. And at the same time, being a rabbit yourself, I always feel like there's younger wolves running after me and I just got to stay ahead of them. You know, uh, like when I go to absolute, there is like 50 of these little sharks running around, like wanting to take my head off and I have to stay ahead of them somehow. And that means that I have to show up daily, twice daily. I have to eat the right amount of food, train the right, um, right way and make sure that I'm recovered when I'm not training. That, that's what's so important to me. And I think that's all mindset. Absolute has so many good fighters. I want to ask you, who's one of those sharks that's like a younger kid that's on the come up that gives you really good rounds that we should be worried about? Oh, man. I think that it's funny because if you look on Tabology, I'm the number one welterweight right now in Australia and New Zealand. But <laughs> honest to God, I'm one, I'm a fat lightweight at the moment. Um, I should be fighting at lightweight. But honestly, Joseph Luciano is the best welterweight in Australia. And I'd put money on that. And that's inside and outside of the UFC. 
um, if he gets a couple more fights in him, like obviously I think that he should already be signed, but I can foresee him being the number one fighter in Australia. Um, like he he's up there with like I'm I'm not taking anything away from Volk, but I think he has that kind of potential. I love that. Uh, do we need that one sixty five pound division for you? Now, like honestly, like one sixty two, one sixty one would be like the most amazing thing. But I know it's far fetched. I mean, like the one fifty five cut for me is just a lifestyle change, and it's a time domain where I'm having to not cut weight, but I'm having to diet for a lot longer and be much more strict with my meals. I, I eat pretty clean, but I don't really do portion control until I have a fight and. It would just be a longer um, period of time that I have to do the portion control. JJ, I remember everything, right? Mm. I spoke to you last time and you said, it's funny that Australians are like peasants and Americans are like our own citizens or some shit. So yeah. what, do you, what do you think about that statement now that you're here for the 15th time? Do you stand by that statement? Oh, I love it because I'm I'm visiting the peasants. I'm a man of the people. But no, if you think about it, like you guys have a king and a queen. Like right, like you guys had to spend tax taxpayer dollars to pay for this guy's coronation that you guys don't really like. Um, it, it, that sucks in general. Like, can you imagine you're born and like you're either royalty or you're not? Whereas in in the United States, you are given your citizenship just for being. Um, born in the u.s so i mean we're more like the roman republic whereas you guys are more like the english monarchy which you are part of do we have free will <laughs> people in general um I've, I've been hearing arguments that uh no decision we've ever made is actually a decision we don't have our own thoughts and that and that it's it's all just you know like we don't part, do anything part of bad. the matrix. Yeah, not not really part of the matrix. More from like a religious standpoint. Like, uh, there's no uh, there's no there's no right decision. There's no wrong decision because you didn't make a decision at all, right? So, um, do you think that we have free will to make our own decisions? This is maybe a little bit deeper than uh, you'd want to go, but essentially, when I turned eighteen, I mean, I had thought about being a fighter since as long as I can remember. I thought that pro wrestling was real fights, you know, so I was watching like Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, all those guys back in Who's the day. Who's your favorite? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's really hard between um, Ultimate Warrior and uh, Shawn Michaels, but I think Hulk, his charisma level, like you'll never be able to top that. I'm sorry like, to interrupt, but I really liked uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. I know yeah, that wasn't that wasn't too. that wasn't that wasn't my generation. My generation was more like Attitude yeah. Era and stuff yep. like Triple H. Yep. But it was just the fact that when I went back, out of everyone, I thought Macho Man was the coolest. Ma Macho Man was so cool too, man. I think that era of wrestling was the best. I'm I'm a little biased. I mean, I was very young at that era as well. But when I go back and watch wrestling, is I'm watching the the old stuff. The new stuff is garbage compared to that. They may be better technical wrestlers now but the charisma level the storylines were just so much better back then free will yes as far free as free will goes when i turned 18 i knew i wanted to be a fighter and i you know i remember signing up for my college classes and i was sitting in a uh, a room um taking a history class and i remember thinking like why am i here this feels wrong 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 you know and i went back to the mma gym and started fighting immediately. You know, I had my first fight when I was still in high school and, 
the but like I always try to sum it up with everybody else. It's there was no other path. There was no other way. I could not see another path. I could not have gotten a regular job. I could not have done anything else. So when it comes to free will, I'm not sure, man. I feel like I was just almost like molded to be this person. I'm not saying I'm like the perfect fighter because I I have the same trauma and fear that anybody else does. I just choose to fight those fears every single day, you know, and I'm constantly pursuing excellence. You know, I'm never going to find it, but, you know, I'm always looking for it. Were you ready to have children at the time that you had them? Or? No way, man. So, so would you would you think would did you think that you needed to be in a better frame of mind to be a dad? Or, um, of course, everything's turned out wonderfully. But um, was it like easy for you? How do you no, feel? About hell that? no, it wasn't, man. My my daughter's thirteen now. Um, she like the relationship I have with her versus. The way um, I treat my my two and my three year old is just night and day. I'm I'm an adult now, whereas when I had her, I still felt like an adolescent. You know, I was 22, 23, but at, I was nowhere near ready to be a dad. I mean, it's almost like a friendship that I have with my daughter Juliet. Um, obviously, I mean, I still crack the whip, but um, yeah, I'm just it's a different relationship, and I I think that everybody needs to. Um, go out and do like the adventurous stuff at a young age and then have kids later when you're a little bit more mature. What message do you have to the haters? Man, I wish that I had more haters because <laughs> like nobody DMs me and says, you suck, you suck, you know, like it, it just never happens. Fighters you could talk about. Yeah. Um, for, for if you're still listening, uh, I brought up that my friend said to me, Aiden, he said, that um, JJ was a really, really good fighter and he had no idea that I had run anything combat or done a first interview with him, let alone the second. <laughs> and um, I was just telling JJ uh, about his haters and that just basically explains and validates the fact that JJ said he doesn't really have too many haters and for some reason the Australians love you. Yeah, I have no idea what that's about. Um, it, it's really odd, to be honest, like... I, I guess I just don't put myself out there so much. I'm not really big into social media. I should be. I'd make probably a lot more money, get sponsors and whatnot. But I just get so focused on the uh, the other parts of life. Man, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the haters. Oh, haters. haters. Why, why yes, don't you have correct. any haters? What the hell? I'm not sure, man. Like, I don't put myself out there so much on social media. I should, um, obviously, to make more money and more sponsors. But... Um, it's always been about the pursuit of excellence. That's what I've always been chasing. I'd rather be a good fighter than good at social media. So I tend to stay off of that. Um, most people that get to know me, um, I'm relatable, I think, in more ways. Um, whereas people that don't know me, like, say, in person on Guam, uh, they, they might be a bit of a hater, but they, they don't really, they're not very vocal about it. That's great. I wish they would be though. I mean, how awesome it is is it if you have an opponent that's like, yeah, fuck that guy. I'll beat him up. Like, yeah, like yeah, stir me up a little bit. Get give me a beef. reason. Yeah, give me a reason. Give me some ammo, man. If you could start over again, what would you do different? Um, we talk about the CT damage in MMA. I would love to spar a lot less in the beginning. I had so many gym wars with 
guys that don't even fight, you know. What like, do you think what do you think you got out of that? <laughs> in Chamorro they have this word, um, prebahal. It's like it's called prove yourself essentially. That's what I got out of it. I proved that I was a tough guy over and over again, but mostly to the wrong people. Okay, so you didn't really get too much out of it. No, so <laughs> how many times do you need to prove that you're tough? One time and then you move on. <laughs> yeah. Toughness is a fallback plan in MMA. You need to use your technique, your skill, your conditioning to overcome someone, not toughness. You don't want to, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take as many punches as he can give so he gets tired. That's not a good strategy, man. How do you cook your steak? Uh, I'm, like, a little bit above medium rare, and I prefer it on the pan versus the grill. What's your favorite food and why? I like sushi personally. Yeah, honestly, sushi is my go-to for everything. My wife and I, we do like poke bowls or sushi almost every Saturday. I love that. I yep. love that. What do you What do you do with your poke bowls? How do you How do you make them? Oh, I don't make them personally. I'm more of a please make it for me because you're better <laughs> at it. Like I'm not trying to dive into being a sushi chef, but um, I love spicy tuna. I think it's amazing. Last time we spoke about your inspirations in fighting, I want to know what your inspirations are for personal development and self-improvement. Personal development. I think about generational wealth all the time. I heard this amazing quote where if you think about like the billionaires, they it's not that they inherited money. It's that like, you know, you think about the Rockefellers. The Rockefeller, the original one, he was dirt poor. He was around the Depression area. But um, he built up generational wealth because he took his son to work with him. And he was like, this is what we do, son. And he made his son better at what he does. And that's kind of like where I'm at, where I think about, like, my dad. You know, he was a good mechanic, but he didn't show me how to, you know, he was like, ah, give me the wrench. I'll do it myself, son. So I didn't have a trade going into high school. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, like, had to figure it out along the way. So had I followed in my father's footsteps in the sense like we're all just figure it out when I'm 18, um, then I, I'd be passing on nothing to my daughters. Whereas now, like I'll have business acumen to pass on to them. Um, and I think that's my driving force daily to not be basically poor again. And so that my daughters can pursue their dreams and their hopes and their desires without the fear of being broke. Do you celebrate your losses? <laughs> in a, it, You know, we talk about this a lot. With a win, it's almost like depression because what do we do next? Like when I lose, I go back to the drawing board. I look at what went wrong. Airplanes have this thing called a black box. So when they crash, they take the black box out and they figure out with our instruments what were wrong during the flight, whether it was like a user error or a plane malfunction. Same thing with a loss. Like you, It's very easy. You have all this video footage. You have your thoughts and feelings before the fight. So a loss for me like gives me a sense of purpose where a win is like, all right, what do I do next? Do I do, I do exactly what I did before? Do you know what McGregor said? What did he say? He said that a win is more detrimental to a fighter than a loss. Mm. Because he said that when he won, he would go straight back to the drawing board and say, what could have been, what, what, why, why did this happen? Where did I get lucky? Where, where was I doing well? Mm. And then he, and then he, this is prime McGregor, and he would reverse engineer all the win and make it as shit as possible. Mm. 
And then when he would look at his losses, of course, he's like, I don't want that ever to happen again. Yeah. So um, how do you feel about that? You think, you think wins are worse for a fighter's mental? They can be. I mean, if you let the ego get out of control, they can really take, take a hold of you and you become a different person. I think it's, it's personified in, like, say, like movies like Rocky where he was like, yeah, I'm getting really good. I don't have to do the same training. I don't have to do the exact same stuff. They got me here. And that, that's the problem, right? We have to go back. We have to go back through hell. The, the thing is, like with winning, is they don't care that you won. Winning does not care. The second you win, it's over. You're back to square one. If you want to do it again, if you want to go through all that, you have to go through the same steps that you took before and more sometimes because your opponent might be doing the same thing. How long have you known your friends for? That's really... Like, you know, I have a couple high school friends, but for the most part, if uh, if you're not in the gym, like, I feel like I have colleagues and and uh, relations with people, but, like, true, true friends for, like, high school or longer, um, it, it, I think they're few and far between, to be honest with you. For the next segment of the show, I want to ask you, what would happen if every single current UFC champion moved up in weight? And you get you we can get it a little simple like just mm. sentence bites, but I'm gonna ask you from flyweight up to the top. So if Pantoja went to fight someone like Aljamain Piotr, Sean O'Malley, how do you think he does? I, I think Sterling takes his back and chokes him out. <laughs> I think Sterling is a massive, massive for his weight class. Yeah, I think he just bullies him. What do you think about Aljo fighting Volk? Probably the best fighter. Of the on the planet right now. Oh, that that's a much better fight. Volk is so good, man, and he's not like this massive guy either. He is so good. I I can't say it enough. That'd be an amazing fight to watch. I don't think that Volk gets his back taken so easily. Do you think that Volk would have a trouble with the reach of Aljamain? Because usually Volk actually has bigger reach than Max Holloway, Ortega, and every single person he's fought, and this will probably be the closest reach he'll have to someone. I don't think so because of his distance game. His feints to get in and out, I think, are just so next level. And that's what sets him apart is that he does five feints to throw one punch. And I think that really ruins people's timing and rhythm. Volk versus Islam 2. I think it's probably going to be a lot of the same. No, man. Volk wins the rematch, in my opinion. I, I, I would I would love to see that. That'd be so cool because he deserves it. He's such a great person in and out of the cage, but I feel like it's going to be more of the same. Uh, we'll bet yeah. coffee on it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, AKA, um, the team, Islam's one of his first ever training partners when he was like 20 was actually Leon Edwards. Okay. Can you believe that? How That's... This sport's so weird. Wow. Right? So now Islam's saying he's going to move up to 170 and do that. Uh, what do you think about that uh, style matchup? Yeah, Islam could beat him, I think. I, I think he, he's like, I think that wrestle, that Dagestani wrestling is just so, such a terrible thing for everybody else that doesn't do it. Yeah, I, I think he could definitely beat him. I, I, I don't know why uh, Usman didn't pursue more wrestling in the last one. Uh, I don't know. Seemed like an odd strategy. What do you think if Colby beats Leon and Islam had to fight Colby? Do you think Colby has the style to beat no. a Samboist or do you think he's fucked too? I don't think so. I think he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> 
Leon versus Adesanya. This is one. This, this is a really weird matchup because Adesanya is actually shorter than 6'4". He's actually like 6'3". Yeah. And Leon's a solid 6'2". So they're around about the same height. Uh, Leon has the clinch on him. Adesanya has, uh, I don't know, counter-striking. Leon has the offensive striking. I think Leon's wrestling's better and his jiu-jitsu's better. But I still think Izzy wins. I think Izzy wins, hands down. He's just so big. And again, another one of those people that like once in a lifetime striking. Yeah, once in a generation because he's the the new Anderson Silva. He's the 2.0, in my opinion. Izzy versus Yuri because I know it's vacant, but if you had to pick one, uh, what do you think about that? Yuri. Why would you pick Yuri? I would think he's just just a wild man. Just based on size. But I would say that they're comparable. Yuri 6'3", Izzy 6'3". Uh, I think that I think that Izzy would just be a. I don't think I don't think Yuri can hold him down, and I don't think Yuri can march him down either. I think he'll get intercepted with shots. I, I think it'd be a really fun fight to watch, and we'll have to find out on that one. Yuri at heavyweight no. is one of the dumbest things you yeah, could possibly do against idea. John. That's yeah. that would never. John work. Jones is the goat. I, I I will argue that all day. I think John Jones is the greatest to ever. Put the gloves on. I'll say, uh, seeing that there's no division heavier than heavyweight, I'll say John versus Fedor at heavyweight, prime v. prime. Who do you think's better? John Jones is the best fighter of all time. Okay, well, there you have it. There, there's all the... There's all the, uh, yeah. all, all the We ran through the whole uh, divisions. I want to ask you next. With Aljo, if he wins this uh, match against Sugar, he, um, he's got five championships in bantamweight. I personally think he's the second best bantamweight to ever live if he does that, but he'll be leaving the division. So do you think um, do you think he's second or would you say he's goaded? Who, who's your first? First is Dom because he had three WEC titles and then four UFC titles. And, and also he had, if you look at the win streaks and the stats, Dom beats them all on win streaks. Like right now, Aljo's yeah. on nine. Dom's still on twelve. That, man, you forget about Dom too. He he did um, dominate for such a long time too. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean because we've talked about like your goat status. Um, it's not based on skill level. It's based on the time versus the opponents and the percentages, right? And the quality of wins. The quality of wins. Yeah. And, and the strength of uh, resume as well. Like Aljo, I would say if Aljo fought Dom, Aljo would destroy him in one round. It's just the fact that. Uh, different time, different styles, and right. um, Dom's achieved way more in the sport. I think Sterling is very fortunate to have Sean O'Malley. Um, <laughs> I, do you know what I mean? Sugar's like, going to be shit in there. Like, I know he's a really good striker, but it's just not the fight for him. But he's just a polarizing character. He's got such a big name, and, you know, he's marketed himself so well. That That's what I mean by he's lucky to have him. Because, like, Frazier and Ali, they had each other. It's the same thing. Just it makes the fight. Yeah, the BMF title. I think that's bullshit. I think they should do it once every four or five years. Do you think there should be a BMF division, as people are saying? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think that's kind of <laughs> silly. I mean, it's just like who's the? It's it's like who's the toughest? We go back. It's not who's the most skilled. It's the who's the toughest. And I don't think the tough. I think being tough is definitely overrated. It shouldn't be your first plan of action. I don't know. Not for me. Let's talk prime Brock Lesnar in the current UFC heavyweight division. Dude, if he's 6'5", and he's like 
130, 140 kg or something of full muscle, of Canadian muscle. That guy, that guy's an absolute beast and he's got all the skills that the current heavyweights don't have. I think he would do exceptionally well in the current heavyweight picture. And I do think if John wasn't there, that he has a serious claim to fight for the belt and win that. It's amazing how athletic um, Brock Lesnar is, like from his wrestling background, but just everything that the guy does. I mean, without lifting weights is incredibly strong. He's just got this God-given genetics that are just out of this world. And a little bit of juice. Maybe. Um, you know, I'm just not really sure, like, what the other guys are taking. It, it's always very fishy. Um, I've been in gyms where, like, it's, like, basically passed out in the bathroom. And, and I, I guess I wouldn't notice the difference. Um, like, Brock Lesnar looks the part, right? But then there's other guys that have popped for it that you're like, really? You know, like Josh Barnett, for example. Yeah. Okay, it was not the guy that struck me as someone that took steroids. Uh, we really saw it with uh, Johnny Hendricks. Like, his punches were powerful, but his body was not swollen. And right. then when, when Sada came in, he deflated immediately. Weird, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. it's like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Jones popped for it too, didn't he? Didn't he pop for something? Yeah, Pico, Pico Graham. And uh, dude, dude, everything, dude, that guy's taking coke. He's taking a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah. I, don't, I don't really know about that one. Yeah. Brock, what do you think about him ending the Undertaker's streak? Do you think they should have uh, done that? Or I don't, personally, I think the Undertaker should have just been kept, kept his undefeated streak through all of WrestleMania. The fact that Brock beat it and then he proceeded to win every other WrestleMania match is just bullshit. I think he lost another one to like someone. But it's is just bullshit. I, I I don't like the fact that they built something up for um what was it twenty twenty one years twenty one years and then they ruined it. Yeah, why ruin it? Just let the guy have his legacy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's such a legend in the sport and long lived man. That is insane how long he's been in the game. Yeah, they they shouldn't have went out like that, and and not to Brock. Why, why Brock, you know? Yeah. Why'd they pick him of all people? John Cena or something? You know what I mean? Come on. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, I got, I got the best topic now. Prime Volkanovsky versus a chimpanzee right now. Now, here's the thing, right? The chimpanzee, let's say, is like 55 kg. Vol- Volk, he doesn't need a weight cut. No. He'll be around 75 kg. Who do you think wins? <laughs> the chimpanzee beats anybody on earth. Okay. How small does the chimpanzee have to be for Volk to beat him? It has to be adolescent. Like how many kg? Like 40? I, I don't think it would come down to a matter of size. I think their strength to body weight ratio is just ob- obnoxious. I, I don't think... <laughs> Why don't we have those fucking genetics? How did we win and we don't have their genetics? What the hell is that? Uh, the second we started walking like completely upright and we stopped using our hands for... I don't know anything other than movement. I think that's when, but like we're second to none in strategy and we are the most durable animal on the planet. If you think about it, do you believe that? 100% we're the most durable. We're not the the fastest. Why can't, why do we take so much fucking damage? Do we though? Like in, in the cage, in the cage, like we can take, we can take a, like on a real note, whenever I've sparred in, um, in gyms and people have landed good shots or hit me. I'm like, I really think about it. I go, um, why, why am I able 
to withstand. Like I might get knocked down, I might fall on the ground, but wince in pain, but you're still alive. You know what I mean? It's not like we can just die out of nowhere. Yeah, it get is hit odd. By cars. Have you seen like when like on those animal shows, like say the tiger will get a hold of the deer and the deer just stops moving? Yeah, that's so odd, right? Like yeah. they're they have fight or fight just like we do, but then they just like will stop. They're like, oh, it's got me. I'm done. Like, yeah, what the hell is that? Yeah, I think that's so odd. Like they're frozen in fear almost, and they're so quick during the chase. With like, I saw a video with a with a cheetah. And yeah. the cheetah was running ridiculous speed and this deer like juked him and mm. like ran away. Yeah. Like, why don't you just keep running? Like yeah. until until you actually get caught. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That that is odd, right? Yeah. I'm not sure. Humans are special, man. There's a reason why we uh I essentially we took over everything in the world. I think we're very special, like the way we work together for a common cause. Whereas like, you know, tribes of monkeys will go to war. I mean, we do too, obviously, but if if we have to choose between food and whatnot, we're all going to band together for the most part. Like, I think about, like, 9-11. They, <laughs> Fuck. It, it's interesting because America, we all hate each other. I mean, like, it, you're from that city? Okay, well, fuck you. You have this skin color? It, it's it's really crazy. Okay. All right. So, what about what about banding together with Americans and uh, I don't know terrorist attack? What, what, what yeah, were you making? Yeah, I, I don't know what it was about nine eleven, but suddenly everyone like put aside their differences for a second. And we were like America, you know. We started waving the flag and we could be in the same uh, room together for, just for once. And I think that's that that's what makes us so unique because you know most of the time we're always fighting over something. We're trying to figure out. Reasons to hate each other, whether it's religion or beliefs or skin color, there's always a reason to dislike the next guy. Like you wear that style of clothing, so you know it. It just seems really odd, but when we band together, we're a very strong force. They said America is the most livable like country in the world. I believe on the index, it scored at like seventh or eighth for the most free or something. The most free. This is what okay. I tried. What okay. I tried to mean. Uh, the most free, it scored like seventh or eighth. So, is America the best marketers in in the world? Uh like, do you think they market themselves better than what they actually are? Because truly, I to, think that to live there, uh, to do anything like America's the best. We we're the smartest. We we've got the best athletes. You know, <laughs> we do have the best athletes. We've got Starbucks and shit. <laughs> you know, uh, no. So, Starbucks. <laughs> That's funny you brought up Starbucks. Starbucks is always going to be a solid six and a half. I know what I'm getting when I walk into Starbucks. Um, if I take a chance on a mom and pop shop, you have no idea. But I know exactly what I'm getting when I walk in there. So that's why I would go to Starbucks. I get off the plane because there's none on Guam. Um, coffee shit on Guam. No, no, no Starbucks Guam. Yeah, no Starbucks. I remember we spoke about that. You said that you love the coffee in Australia. What coffees have you had here? Uh, I I do an almond milk latte every day. <laughs> almond so, milk, two or three times my, a day. My friend, my friend, he uh, he thinks he's like a really big tough guy. Yeah. We went to get coffee together. He said, "Can I get a caramel latte?" Ooh. I just looked at him. I go, "What's wrong with you? Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Would you ever do that? No, I don't. I don't get like the sugary coffee." Yeah. Um. Do you like the black coffee in America, like the old style shit? Like the French press? It, it's good. French press is good, but I would prefer an almond milk latte. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. What else have you had? Have you had like a frappuccino here or something? No, I wouldn't have anything <laughs> like that. I, I I eat clean for the most part. I mean, when I say clean, I mean I I do dabble a little bit here and there, but I love ice cream, but I try to stay away from it. Favorite ice cream flavor? Ooh, there's this one called Cookie Monster. It's a combination of like um, regular cookies with Oreos. I do I do cookies and cream, or I do caramel. Yep. I go so off. it's basically a combo combo of the two. I love that. Yeah. Back to MMA. GSP, yep. John Jones, talking about skills only. Yep. I'm not talking about the fight. I'm talking about who had more skill um, for MMA because people have raised the argument that GSP never had a clinch game. Like, he had throws from the clinch, but he never had a clinch, you know, knee, elbow like John, right? Correct. So, so do you think because of that it edges out and gives John the win? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, GSP had a really cool strategy where, you know, like if he didn't get the takedown, that last double right out of the way, he he put him up against the cage and he would just kind of lean on the guy. He would throw inside knees, but he's not trying to knee a guy in the head. He he had a really good way of wearing people down. And it's funny because when GSP initially retired, not, um, not after the uh, Bisping fight, but before that, People hated him. They thought he was so boring because he would lay on top and just kind of ground and pound. And um, they, I think they call it lay and pray. But like he just smothered people. But for me, that was like the the gateway to Khabib. Khabib took it like that one step, terrible, like one step further. Like he was so much better. But I still think John Jones, skill wise, is just the greatest of all time. Khabib declined a grappling match with GSP recently, a month ago. Yeah. I think he's scared. Not joking. I think that while Khabib has his Sambo and his um his his style is... Uh, every single time he ran into a bad style matchup, you can watch his tapology, you can read it, and you can see all the cancelled bouts. And it was always Donald Cerrone, three of them, and it was four Tony Ferguson. Every single time there was a style matchup where he didn't feel confident, he pulled out of the fight, and that's a fact. Now he had GSP, and GSP had the judo, judo wrestling, and jiu-jitsu all together with the fact that he's been at TriStar training ever since he retired from... from uh, when did he retire? 2015, 2016? Yeah. Okay, from 2016, it's been um, seven years. You look at him, he's in beautiful, perfect condition. He doesn't take any roids. He looks better than he did when he when he wasn't uh, fighting because now he doesn't need to wear as much uh, yeah. size. And his jiu-jitsu with Faraz Zahabi has been um, amazing. So I think that Khabib was completely scared of that grappling match and I think he pulled out because he knew he was going to lose. Yeah. I don't like to speculate on people's thoughts and like when you use the word fear like I, it's not I, fear it's more i know i'm gonna lose uh, it's simple like that like yeah. like no one's no fighter's scared of fighting i completely yeah. understand that yeah but when you know you're gonna lose you're just not gonna fight yeah there, there may be something to that um but again i i wouldn't speculate based on that um not for me anyway i wouldn't speculate on that chamayev's been inactive for mm. like a year right he hasn't fought in a year and a bit right yeah people said that um he maybe got popped for steroids and then they told him just to lay low, don't fight anyone and just stay there. Because guess what? What is Chemaev's, what's Chemaev's whole brand? Do you know? No. That he's active. He mm. fought two times in one week yeah. in the UFC and then he proceeded to fight in three times in 66 days in the UFC, which broke the record. Yeah. And then he went, yeah, I'm going to be so active. I'm going to fight like every month. And then Dana was like, oh, that's cool. And yeah. then he proceeded to not fight for a year and a bit. Well, there's that, but I mean, we also don't know what personal issues he's dealing with. I mean, his country is currently at war right now, right? I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't True, but like that, every single Russian and every single Ukrainian fighter, like Nikita Krylov, Nikita Krylov's been uh, so active during this time. Was we also don't know who controls him. Yeah, true with Kadyrov and Chechnya and stuff. Yeah, like you think about like Fedor and Fedor had some ties into different organizations. So we don't know who controls him. That, that's what I like to think about. Instead of instead of jumping straight to the steroids, I'd be like, who's actually running the show behind closed doors? What do you think about that fight with uh, Paulo Costa? I think he actually gets it done. That's going to happen October or September or something Is he like fighting? that. Paulo Costa. Ah, Chimaev. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. a good fight. It's actually that a that is way. a really cool fight. If Paulo Costa can stay off the wine, I mean, I think he's a really <laughs> good... Yeah, I mean, dude, dude's good. He's a really talented fighter. I mean... He's so underrated. Yeah. I always look at yeah. fighter stats to yeah, see yeah. if they're bullshit or not. When I looked at Drickus Duplessis' stats, I went, holy shit, this guy is the most accurate f- fighter at middleweight. Yeah. The most, the most strikes at middleweight. Yeah. Really good takedown defense, really good wrestling. I was like, what the fuck? Why is his stats so good? I looked at Paulo Costa's stats... He had higher takedown defense than Adesanya, um, um, Yol Romero, mm. Whitaker, and Whitaker had a high stat. He had he had it like eighty four, and he's just been fighting wrestlers his whole career. Okay, so so no one takes down uh, Paulo. I just think that Chimaev's going to be the first man to do it. He'll be the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he really dives on it. He's wor- like when I say worst thing Khabib, I just mean like he's like I'm going to take you down. I don't care what it costs me. And I think Khabib, like, he did some crazy shit. To, like, he would do a flying knee just to get a double leg. Just, just to close the distance, he's doing a flying knee. But Jemayev just, you know, just, I'm going to attack your legs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like the combat Sambo chain wrestling system. Yep. It's a, it's a mechanism. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they have steps for when things go wrong. Yeah. And that's what I feel American wrestling doesn't have. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Although I think that the American wrestling has evolved so much in the last 10, 15 years. There's things that they do now, like where they like they do not give up two points to save. Like it's like I will die before I get taken down. I think some of the chain wrestling that the college level guys are doing right now is insane. Mike Perry, bare knuckle. <laughs> versus Conor McGregor, bare knuckle match made in heaven. Yeah, what what do you think about that? Conor's serious about this about this as well. Um, if they were to do it, dude, Mike Perry, that that whole fight style is made for him. The only thing that that he, I believe, he would probably do better in is if they had lethway rules in the bare knuckle punching. So no kicks, no knees. Yep. But no elbows, only punches and headbutts. I believe Mike Perry would be the champion <laughs> for the last decade, <laughs> next decade, right? Yeah. So now, now he's he's been doing amazing in bare knuckle. The yep. people that he's fought, he bo- he fought. Uh, Let me bang, bro. Do you remember that guy from yeah. uh, the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, yeah. Julian Lane. Yep. Yeah, he beat he beat Julian. Then he beat Michael Venom Page. And then he proceeded to knock out the the uh, most. Um, the polar Ralph Lauren model Luke Rockhold. Yep. And then, um, and then now he's he he's, he's going to uh, go off to fight someone else. But in that matchup, who do you who would you pick? I would still pick Mike Perry based on size. I I think Connor's left hand is just it is an X factor, but I think that Perry's toughness and he'll he I think he would smother him to be honest with you. It's just my thoughts. I'll tell you a quick little fact. So Drickus Duplessis. 
uh, they they have a little sparring session with Israel Adesanya mm-hmm. ages ages yep. back before he even got in the UFC. I believe he was still in KSW fighting Roberto Soldich yeah. right, back in the day. Way back when. Um, and the funniest part about this um, whole thing, what's happening? Is that all good? All good? Okay. What's so funny about this is that the facts are is that Drickus manhandled Izzy and Izzy confirmed it. And, wow. and Izzy said, nah, nah, like now he can't do it. What do you mean now he can't do it? Are you saying that he did do it? Izzy confirmed it. So so what's so weird is exactly what I just told you before. Mm. He's got this awkward style that makes you think he's actually shit. Mm. But what it actually is, is that he is hyper accurate whilst doing off time punches. Mm. So it's this funky style that someone like Dustin Poirier does. Yep. But instead Dustin looks a little bit more cleaner when he does it. Mm. Drickus does it, but he finds the target at a higher clip than any other middleweight, and he has um, the most strikes per like minute or per ten minutes or whatever. So whilst having the highest accuracy with the highest output, don't you think that's like an absolute weapon? And if yeah, you're absolutely. taking if you're taking down Robert Whitaker, yeah. like all of this combined is not a good look. No, no, it makes for a really interesting fight, man. You look up a lot of stats. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I guess with um, you know, like my side with my um, fighting, I'm. If I was to look up stats, it would be based on the person I'm fighting. But it wouldn't just be like the champions. I'm not looking at the champion. I don't care about them. I don't care about what Izzy stats are because of the different weight class. I'll never fight Izzy. So it's it's awesome that you have so much time to look up all these stats. It makes um, analytics very easy for you. You know, like when you're breaking down fights. It really does. I mean, because, like, you know, like, stylistically, I think Izzy is the, the goat in his weight class at the moment. Um, so I wouldn't even speculate on that. But as far as the sparring goes, I don't know how long ago this was. Was it five years? Uh, dude, they, if they, Izzy's 34 now. He probably did it to him when he was, like, 27, 28. Yeah. And I believe it was at Tiger Muay Thai. What, oh, okay. what a weird gym that makes to sense. be I, I don't know. I don't know if it was at that gym. I believe it was. Yeah, but, that would make sense. But what weird timing because both of them weren't even at the point of their career where it was even on the radar. Mm. Yeah, so I think that with the sparring, like, yeah, that was really big of Izzy to admit that he handled him, right? He got handled by um, – but I also think that the time domain, like, he is right in saying that it wouldn't happen now. Not that he's right about that statement, but, like, his confidence level versus, um, like, his confidence in his skill set now versus back then. The amount of resources you have as the UFC champion versus not being the UFC champion or even in the UFC. You have all this access to the best trainers in the world. Um, He has the combat dietitian. He's just got all these resources that he didn't have before. And obviously, uh, the other guy does too. But I I just think that as the champion, your development can really skyrocket based on the people you can have around you. He could call up anybody in the world and train with him if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually think about that. Like, do do you think if he called up someone like... I don't even know where I was going with that. I was going to say someone like Chemaev, but it probably wouldn't be a good idea to do that. It's a terrible he, idea, you know. but he could if he wanted to. 
right? I don't know if Chimaev would go, though. Like, he might be thinking along the same lines, like, no, motherfucker, I want to fight you someday. Yeah. But I remember, like, I trained at AK in uh, 2009. From 2009 to 2011, I trained there. Sorry to interrupt. You you spoke about Koscheck last yeah. time, and that was yeah. fucking eye-opening because yeah. uh, the whole time I just thought Koscheck was just an asshole. But truly, he's just, like, kind of playing a character whilst putting in the most amount of work ever. Um, did you, like train with like Kane Velasquez and stuff like what were the other guys like because I know about Josh mm. but who were the other people that not that many people know about like I believe Josh Thompson was there yep like what were those two like were they were they uh like nice were they good coaches yeah what were they like? um Kane was cool he was very helpful um he's a more of a quiet guy I mean he says things when he feels like he has to or needs to um John Fitch is a really good mentor at the time. Um, I think he's gone a little deep off the deep end with his podcast. I mean, whatever. Um, I, I guess I, it, I, like I, I saw something and it was like, I don't know what, I don't know what he was doing, but I saw some shit about like, like some red pill uh, podcast that he was on or something like that. Okay. Like, what does he, what does he do? Um, like I haven't actually looked at it. Yeah. Um, he just has his podcast and he talks about random topics and he breaks down fights um from his perspective but um he's a little he's a little crazy now okay i think we all get get that way in our when we don't have a sense of purpose anymore we find a new one and sometimes it's not the best one true okay yeah, yeah i don't know you, you don't just go quietly into the night when you're a fighter you yeah I mean, you yeah you, you get what i mean yeah. um the other guys the other guy, Josh Thompson, uh, really cool dude, had a lot of knowledge, was very helpful, uh, was a bit of a dick when uh, when he when you got the better of him. Um, I remember, like, I, I I would always catch him in a dars, um, and he would say something along the lines of, that's all you have. You know, you're like a one-trick pony. <laughs> you know, like, at the time, like, man, I look up to you. You're crushing my soul. <laughs> You know, but it was funny. I actually uh, worked for him at his uh, gym. I uh, taught classes there. Um, me and him became really good friends. I, I like him a lot now. But at the time, when I'm in my 20s, I'm like, God, oh, what a jerk. You know, like, you really hurt my feelings when you said that. <laughs> but Koscheck was the most professional guy in the room. He was there for a job. It was not, it didn't even seem like a passion to him. It seemed like um, I'm the hardest worker in the room. I'm going to clock in and clock out. Have you seen uh, anyone with his haircut ever since? Like, really think about it. Like, now that I think about it, like, he's got he's got short hair, but it's really, really curly, mm. and it's so blonde, it looks like he's bleached it. No, it'd be like a joke, like Will Ferrell, you know? Like Yeah. Yeah, that's about like it. a wig on or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my wife and I would always, like, joke, like, on the way home, and she'd be like, so... What did that curly-headed fuck do? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, because he he hits so hard, man. So when you get called into the the ring, because we used a ring, we didn't use a cage at this time at the AKA Hillsdale yep. location. Um, like fuck, because he he throws a stupid like super overhand right, and then he double legs you, and it's really hard to stop one or the other got a question about aka because see it's all about timing in the sport so it gets confusing after a while yeah if you're training there with josh and um sorry yeah josh thompson mm -hmm. if you're training with that guy and he's talking about the fact that oh you know 
Islam Makachev when Makachev just rocked up and Khabib was there. Yep. Um, how, you know, these guys are the best. These guys are the best. Kane loves them and all this stuff. If you're with Kane and Josh, when did when did Khabib and, you know, like Luke Rockhold, Ka- uh, Khabib and uh, Islam were there? Like, when did that happen? And did you even train with them? Mm. Yeah, so I missed the Khabib and Islam boat. Um, Luke Rockhold was, I want to say he had like three, three pro fights when I was... Um, you're joking yeah like D- three and zero yeah and then but also dc dc was like one and oh two and oh oh my I, god I, I i came at a really cool time that's so that's so weird yeah to see them like uh go through all the strike force and yeah. then go through the ufc yeah it was really cool i think dc won I, it might have been king of the cage he wanted like a king of the cage title um he lateral dropped some guy and just ground and pounded him but yep. It, it was really cool coming up at that time. Um, Luke Rockhold, I remember thinking when I walked into the gym um, and I'm rolling that first day that I'm there, I, I, I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna choke this surfer dude. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he pers- skateboarder. And then he proceeds to triangle me like three or four times in a five-minute round. I'm like, oh, well, ego popped. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I'm really confused with like the middleweight division. It's, it's so, it's so, such a weird case study to look at. Yeah. You have someone like Weidman. Now I've, I've found out information from Anthony Smith and a whole bunch of other fighters about Weidman. It turns out he was training like an animal, right? That's when he won all of his wrestling stuff, went undefeated in the UFC, beat Anderson Silva, and then, you know, had the leg break, right? Yep. And then when when he fought Vitor and uh, Machida, he trained two weeks for each title defense, right? Yeah. So Weidman was up here in skill level. Yeah. And then he goes, all right, I'll fight Luke Rockhold and do the same. Yeah. And then he got destroyed. Yeah. Right? So so I just, I just find shit like that so annoying. Because yeah. how good was Weidman? He like, was. You know what man. I mean? How good was he when he was actually training? You can't train two weeks for a title fight. That's bullshit. That's so odd. I had never heard that before. Um, you Like I said, though, you would think that like when you win something, you have to like forget about the win and just go back to yeah, base, get essentially better. hell. Get better. You have to go back through the hell that got you there every time. I don't know why he would stop doing that. Like Spe- he, he's especially got the- being from Long Island, those guys are like the toughest dudes, man. And what's so interesting is that camp, the Sarah Longo camp, um, that that he's sort of affiliated with. You got people like Marab and Aljo, who are the literally the hardest working fighters, yeah. uh, out of like anyone in the world right now. And that's why you have someone random like McGregor going to visit them to see what they're doing. There's no there's no reason for McGregor to be anywhere and right. he's and he's always on a boat and he's always on a jet ski, but the only people he paid a visit to were Aljo and Marab because he was like what the fuck are these guys doing and yeah. why do they have eight round cardio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's something to that, right? You go where the best are. That's also what I mean by the UFC champions having access to anything. Like if Izzy wants something, he can go find it. Yeah, so exactly. like any answer th- or any question that he has, he can find the answer very easily, and that's why I think that the time domain between their last sparring session and now will be completely different. You're talking about the stats. You're like, oh, you have so many stats, right? Yeah, that's exactly why I picked Gaethje because I looked at it for for like a couple weeks, and okay. then I just came to the conclusion. I went, yep, this is the right one, and I did the exact same thing yep. with the Usman Leon trilogy, right? 
Leon was paying like three dollars twenty on Sportsbet. Like oh, each dollar was three dollars so twenty. Crushed it. And I said, I said to my brother, I go, dude, you need it. You need to bet the house on Leon. Yeah. Bet the house. And dude, he won um, four out of the five rounds yeah. easily. Yeah. And he got a point deduction as well. So yeah. yeah. What the fuck, right? Wow. Um, what I was gonna mention about that is the only reason I actually picked Leon. One of the reasons, there were a million reasons, but one was that I know Usman's knees are compromised badly. Yeah, they're done now. They're completely done. And the only fights he has on the horizon horizon, are two ridiculous strikers that can ruin his legs, mm. which are Shavkat Rachmanov, okay. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Right? Wow. Wonderboy versus Usman is the fight to make and most likely will get booked. They've already Both of them have asked for it and both of them have accepted. It's just up to the UFC to book it. Right, it's yeah. a, it's going to be a marketing decision now. If the UFC wants to build another fighter off another fighter, do they want to keep Usman for a while or do they want to keep Stephen? They'll make the decisions accordingly. Yeah, I think Stephen uh, would destroy Usman in his current state. Mm. Maybe not prime, but Usman is a shell of his previous fighter. Yeah. So, how do you feel about that style matchup? Yeah, I mean that's a super interesting point. Um, yeah, I, mean, I guess it's not the same Usman anymore. So, like, that that's probably my issue because I'm a filthy fucking casual, apparently. He's <laughs> um, like, like, oh, yeah, Usman, he does this, this, and this. And I'm not even taking into his knees into account. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Wonder Boy all the way if that's the case. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for watching this show. Thank you, JJ, for your time. Thanks for coming on. Is there any last remarks you want to say to the people at home before we wrap up the podcast yeah tune in october 13th to brawl i'm uh making my return to the cage i uh thought that i was going to be retired for a lot longer but um something about fate and destiny and you can't deny it follow jj on instagram link in the description and subscribe to anything combat see you guys next time